Hi, everyone. We're back with another Eurythmics podcast. Uh, this is episode 21, and we're calling this one In Person at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Eurythmics Induction. And we have uh, Mark Stevens, my normal co-host, is here as usual, and he, we're being joined today by two guests, uh, Steve Gaylor of Ultimate Eurythmics Archives, which everyone knows who Steve is. And of course, Lynn Foster, big Eurythmics fan. She's from Oregon. She was at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, so we're excited to talk to Lynn and get her perspectives. And we're just going to talk about uh, everything that we experienced that uh, weekend, starting with, uh, well, not maybe not starting with, but including uh, Steve Rapport's photo exhibit the night before, and then, of course, the induction ceremony. And uh, you'll hear our thoughts on Eurythmics and I'm sure all the other artists as well, too. So um, we're going to kick off now with Steve Gaylor, who's going to uh, have some remarks for us and probably something <laughs> interesting as well. So, hi, so um, yeah. Hi, everybody. Uh, nice to see you all again. Um, unfortunately, I can't stay for very long today. So um, I've got a couple of bits that I want to uh, maybe throw out for you to talk about later on. Um, but uh I thought I'd start today with uh, something that was um, a little bit interesting, some information that we've been given recently, um, which was where um, each of the uh, inductees ended up in the official voting uh, poll. Um, so we, we have that information now. Now, uh, as we know, Dolly Parton initially said that she didn't want to uh, be considered for the award. Um, and as a result, that they felt that that possibly swayed some of the voting um, early on. So they decided that she would be uh, inducted regardless. And she was placed into uh, seventh place. Um, I should mention that Judas Priest weren't in included in the performing songwriters um, section. They were put through in a different category. So they're not in this list either. So we've got Dolly Parton in seventh place, um, followed by Carly Simon in sixth place. Uh, we then had uh, Lionel Richie in fifth place. Uh, the one that was a bit of a surprise for me uh, was uh, in fourth place was Duran Duran. Mm. Um, wow. In third place, we had uh, Pat Benatar, which basically means we're down to either Eminem or Eurythmics. Um, and uh, uh, in second place uh, was Eminem. And in first place was uh, Eurythmics. Wow. Um, and we have it on good authority that Eurythmics topped the actual thousand um, panel. Uh, oh, book. gosh. <laughs> That's amazing. So wow. uh, we're really wow. thrilled. Um, I think that shows the respect they have in the industry as well Absolutely. as um, also the yeah. fact that probably they, they uh, you know, it's about time they got in as well, you know. So <laughs> that's yeah. wonderful, Steve. That's, wow. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah, I think I, I think it's, uh, you know, as I said, for me, Duran Duran in fourth place was a bit of a surprise because obviously they they were doing very well in the fan vote with Eminem, um, you know, right right at the top, uh, you know, battling yeah. out to initially head and head for a while. And then um, obviously they, they, the, the voting sort of took a twist. But um, yeah, I was really, really, really happy to find Dave and Annie at number one in the yeah. uh that's in that poll. fantastic so another little, little uh, feather in the cap for the weekend <laughs> I, I would think that duran duran finished fourth only because it was probably it was it was their first year to be nominated we know eurythmics were nominated a few years back and did not make it so i think probably the voting uh the people who do the actual voting probably take into account some sometimes you know well they've got another shot but of course 
uh, Duran Duran got in. So, and yeah. were spectacular and, and, yes. uh, and sure brought the fans too. And yeah. we were the only ones privileged to see the uh, acapella Simon Laban. Yeah, uh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Which he, sounded great, by the way. <laughs> yeah, if you weren't there, they, they opened the show and there was a technical difficulty. So Simon just started singing acapella, which was so cool. <laughs> well, I, th I think I think they all could hear each other because they had their um, in-ear pieces going. Right. So right, I think right. the band probably heard themselves, um, you know, performing as they would do normally. It was just the it was only his audio track that was coming through onto the um, onto the sound system. Yeah. And, and I liked his comment where he said, yes. oh, at least at least you all knew, knew I was performing live. Yeah. <laughs> I love exactly that, that he can and, sing. Uh, <laughs> we're lucky that we got Eurythmics full thing on on the on the broadcast. Some artists surprisingly had their sets cut short, like Pat Benatar. Uh, Pat Benatar I, yeah. I was, I, surprised I was surprised by that. that. Yeah. 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 Uh, how, you, how, you there, how to make a six hour show into a three yeah. hour, four hour TV show. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was really like freaking out. I think I was texting some of you like, oh my gosh, do you think they're going to cut your rhythmic set? You know, cause no. yeah. we're getting only two of their three songs, but well, of course. Maybe, maybe number one in the, in the voting helped. Hmm? Uh, well, yes. maybe. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it did seem the audience was universally eurythmic um, fans. Yeah. To me, you know, so that was, yeah, that I mean, was nice. had a kind word to say about eurythmics and, my partner was mentioning how what a great what a great you know Annie mentioned the, all the camaraderie and good feelings backstage. We had the same uh, experience with all the fans, even with you know the fans of different bands. Everybody was so happy for everybody. Everybody congratulated everybody every everybody's band, you know. And it was just yeah. a nice nice time, you know. Yeah, but th yeah, that's that's really cool information though, Steve. I love that. That's great. Yes, thank. You. That's great, Steve. So excited to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, there's just a couple of other things I wanted to sort of throw out there for you guys to perhaps talk about in a little while. But um, the thing that got me most about the whole ceremony was uh, several of the artists were talking about some of their struggles and their diversity. And, um, you know, Lionel Richie um, spoke about how in his early days he was told that he was, you know, not singing the right music for his colour. And he came up with the phrase um, "the rock and roll is a vibe, not a colour. Yeah. We had the chat from Judas Priest, you know, who is openly gay in the heavy metal scene, sort of saying that, you know, he's, you know, they lost fans in the 1990s when he came out and um, that, you know, uh, it, everything is all inclusive. And it sort of, sort of resonated with me when Annie sort of uh, in her speech spoke about how um, that musicians are a, a peaceful people and that... Uh, you know that they they're just there to sort of bring happiness and love and light into people's lives and i really thought that the words that she said really picked up what a lot of the other artists had said in their speeches beforehand and that, that's something that maybe you'd like to have a discussion about later on yeah yeah i know a yes. lot of my friends who aren't necessarily big eurythmics fans and watch the show mentioned that specific thing that she talked about about how music you know is, is you know combats hate and, and it's mm the world with love and all that and that yeah. struck a chord with people it yeah did. and and um uh the 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 producers when they received their award and i can't remember which one of it was who said it was and you know, we, we we've spoken about this before guys but the, it was a really poignant moment i think when he was talking about how um music is being you know 
less of a priority in schools these days. And he was talking about how, well, we don't speak the ABC, we sing the ABC when we're at school. Um, And and he was talking about how music really resonates with people. And if you ask someone what they were doing 20 years ago, they'll struggle to recall it. Yes. But if you play a piece of music, they can go back to a moment in time in an instant. And uh, I really sort of really sort of felt that 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 sort of connection with with the words that they were saying yeah i did as well yeah yeah it was just the entire thing which you know the broadcast was four hours but we were there for five hours and 43 minutes and lynn and i sat together during the concert and i remember distinctly i turned to her when it was all done and i said this has been going on for five hours and 43 minutes (laughs) and i couldn't believe it because it it, it it didn't seem it it was so seamless the whole thing and it was so yeah. uplifting because every artist every single one had a really great speech and they talked about you know their journey but also about you know being part of something bigger mm. and um, you know and and that was great it it was mm. really it was an amazing an amazing night and, uh, and I. I, I really liked, um, you know, some people have said that The Edge perhaps wasn't the right choice for Dave and Annie, but I think he was because they came from a similar start in many ways that they 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 sort of were struggling artists and they were struggling to to get that traction and that first sort of initial hit. And I really liked the bit where he said, you know, that Annie and Dave performed to three pe- or four people in one, one show. And he said, well, you know, we had three, four, if you include the bartender. The and, <laughs> and I, I like that. I yeah, love that. Yeah, that was one of the best uh, comments of the night because it really, but it drove it home yeah. because, you know, you 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 can't get much bigger than you two no. and having the edge talk about that because if he had just said, but he ha- he followed it up and that was really great because it drove it home to people, everybody in that yeah. kind of industry, you start out really small, you yeah. know, you were just struggling and that was a great comment and it was a good, it was a funny line too, it was great. Yeah. I, yeah, think and I, think, was... I think he understood the struggles of a band starting like like Dave and Annie's and, you know, Annie uh, in, in Dave's speech where he says, you know, they lived on $20 a week. And but then he added that they were some of the best times as well. You know, that she agreed. That it wasn't all about the money. It was about that creative. And, space and I loved wouldn't... Annie because she was saying yeah. it was. It, was. it yeah. was. Yeah. She they were so genuine in this at those moments more than I've ever seen them. It was just really right. so wonderful to see they were. Yeah. very candid in how they felt yeah well can yeah. you imagine how it must feel to to just to get that honor uh you know especially after so long <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah absolutely well i think you know the year that they've had they've been uh, recognized for their songwriting in the songwriters hall of fame and now they've been recognized as the band and their performance in the rock and roll hall of fame and i, I think that's a pretty impressive um two awards to receive in the same year absolutely yes, you know as as they enter 2023 where we sort of get sweet dreams and love is a stranger hitting their 40th anniversaries i think it's a really nice uh sort of start to those celebrations for them exactly yeah. right. and i'm hoping so unfortunately guys i need to i need to head off now um all right but, Steve. um you know it's great great to sort of dip in with you and i look forward to hearing the rest of the podcast yeah. thank you great for to joining. see you We're Steve. so glad you could join take care everyone happy christmas happy christmas yeah, to you all christmas. bye happy new bye. year So we should probably say we've been we've been trying to record this podcast for a while now.
And we have had technical difficulty after technical difficulty, or someone's been sick or fill in the blank. So we're not intentionally being this late in this podcast, but it doesn't really matter. I think, you know, we're looking back on it. And I think the idea is to to look ahead. What does the Hall of Fame induction mean in the future? But um, so, you know, Steve was just talking about 40th anniversary of things next year, and I'm hoping this leads to the release of some stuff. I'm hoping that over at uh, Universal, they're going, they're, they're now going behind the scenes. Okay. Okay. There was a good reaction to this. Now, what can we put out? What can we put out? (laughs) Well, yeah, one would hope you do hope that that's going on and you kind of think, how could it not be? I mean, that's a lot of attention and they, and it's not the, the, so yeah 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 how can they not be looking at it and saying what are we going to do in next year the 40th anniversary of sweet dreams so gosh are we that old wow <laughs> wow we were that young when yeah, it we're that young yes we well, were. Was, you know i was two when sweet dreams came out so but what, I, what, how wonderful for you <laughs> i i was um 14 no <laughs> No, I was I was 17, which I, I always think is kind of cool because then 17 again mentioned sweet dreams. So I feel like oh. a connection to that, like, wow, I was 17. And, you know, anyhow. Um, yeah, I was 14 as well. So, yeah, it was almost almost uh, 15, actually, when sweet dreams was number one a week or so, a few days, a few days away from being 15. But, um, you know, um, it, it was a great um, it was a great concert and it was great. We should mention um all the great fans that were there as part of a, a little group we had that we had kind of like said yeah you know, who's coming and then we went to dinner with a bunch of, of the and land you stayed in a an airbnb with a bunch i of did i did so, yeah. well, so well so that was a funny experience because when it when it was announced um i didn't know I kind of had a feeling they were going to win this year and I didn't know how it was going to work out. And that caused a, a more than a little anxiety because you're trying to get your ducks in a row because it was a financial thing for all of us to do. And in August, I started to direct message my um, friends in um, England, Steve being one of them and Joe Frank, Susie Child and uh, Ruth Address. And we decided that we would stay in an Airbnb together, uh, which was it was really fun. So I, because I lived in Los Angeles for 10 years, I did the research on it. And we actually booked it the day before the tickets went on sale because we thought that things were going to go crazy in L.A. And they probably did because they raised the price. So we stayed in this wonderful Airbnb. But um it was pretty exciting. And then getting the tickets were Mark, you were certainly a part of that. That day we got the tickets because oh, we're all day. it was a very stressful day because <laughs> I was in and with the different time zones, I was in a talking room at my um uh the headquarters of my office, and Mark was three hours ahead of me, and then we had all the Brits, and we're all on the phone trying to figure it out and trying to get our tickets all in, in a row. So that was a really exciting. <laughs> I thought I at one point I was convinced I was not going to get tickets because I just could not get any. And I just kept trying and trying. And finally, it was like after 20 minutes, the tickets came up and not bad seats at all. And so I grabbed them. But it was very stressful. And um, 
Mark and I did the same thing. We reserved the hotel. <laughs> well, we found out there was some article that meant we didn't even know where the, the where it was going to be yeah, at. So. And we saw in some article somewhere in very small print at the Microsoft Theater in L.A. So I looked it up immediately, saw there was a Marriott next door, told Mark. We both made our reservations right away, hoping and it worked out. And um, I don't know how much they raised the rates, but it wasn't the cheapest hotel, was it, Mark? <laughs> uh, no. My my room over, was on the seventeenth floor, I think, and it overlooked the Microsoft Microsoft. Wow. You know, so I could, and I could even see back in the back where the, um, I guess where the red carpet was. Oh, no, wow. I wasn't up there looking at that point, but uh, you know, it was at the very back. But anyway, such a that was convenient because we could literally walk there, and we all walked to the that hotel after the concert of course we'd all said okay and actually that actually protects <laughs> the podcast a little bit because we said okay after the concert we'll all go back to the hotel and we had actually planned to sort of interview people for the podcast but we all thought you know the concert would be you know three hours long not five hours and 43 minutes so by the time we got back we were all exhausted the bar was closing <laughs> and, and it was jam-packed by the way and jam-packed yeah it would have taken us an hour to get drinks anyways <laughs> so a but, few people managed but what a great night you you know we were talking a few minutes ago about the fans and i don't know if you met them rex but i know lynn was with me and we met a family oh. uh, and uh it was actually uh, a mom and her son but the husband was there too but he wasn't with them at this particular moment, but they both had on the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Eurythmics t-shirt, the special t-shirt that had been made. Mm -hmm. And what we found out was this young man who's a teenager, I, yeah. his name is Lennox and he's named after Annie Lennox and his parents are big Eurythmics fans. And I remember I asked him again, who was wearing a Eurythmics t-shirt. So, so you're a fan as well. And they said, yes. And I forget their names. Do you remember Lynn? Chris, Chris, Christina, Chris, she's from Tracy, California. I do remember. Oh, wow. Maybe that's like, that's like yeah. really close to me. No, I know. I know. Wow. I'd, I'd, if they're listening, I'd love to have them on the podcast. Yeah. It'd be a great conversation. Yes, we would love but, to talk uh, to them. Absolutely. You know, but, isn't that amazing? That what a lucky boy to have such a cool name. And it's such a cool name. Any, I mean, Lennox is a great name for a boy. It's yeah, and, a and a girl. And a girl, I think. Yeah, exactly. And a girl, too. And it can be Len, Lenny, Lennox, whatever his friends want to call him. But yeah, they'll always know why he's called Lennox. And that's so cool. Probably that the best really part is that he gets to tell his young friends who Annie Lennox is. <laughs> but it yeah. was so much fun because, you know, not in our specific group, but we met, you know, other fans. Um, uh, uh, Jimmy, we met Jimmy. Um, Radosta. Sure. Uh, he was there with a friend who was a Duran Duran fan, and Veronica. We, yeah, and we were and we were at dinner uh, earlier, and there was we had this big long table, all of Eurythmics fans, and then there was a big long table across the way, Duran Duran fans, and then there was a small table over here, and we were all just sort of going back and forth with each with each other, and we all loved that each other were there and having such a good time. You know, there wasn't any competition or anything, and I think you know you know we were all specifically happy. I I met a Duran Duran fan waiting for breakfast the next morning. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and we just, everybody just, they would talk, you know, and it was, and that's, that was the fun thing about the end of it, not 
of course, seeing Dave and Annie and being injected and, and seeing their live performance. But that's what I just felt at the end of it. And it was really hard to describe. And I've really not talked about it a lot, a great deal on social media, because it's one of those things. It's been hard to sort of tell other people what it was like, you know, but I've had a lot of people, not Eurythmics fans, but just, you know, fan, uh, friends and friends of Amy, uh, that kind of thing, who have said to me, wow, that must have been an amazing show after they saw it on HBO. And and everybody just sort of realized like, wow, that must have been a super night to be part of. And it was. It was. It was. I have to concur that the camaraderie of the fans, even if they were from a different group, we, we, we all were. It was the high point for all of us, as well as the people we follow. And everybody was just so happy. It was such a high and um, we sat around a lot of, I think, a lot of Duran Duran folks. And mm-hmm. there was that woman who had the the dress made out of uh, cards. Duran Duran trading cards. Yeah, she ended up Duran. on TV. She did. Yeah. She did. Yeah, she was. on. Yeah. Well, that deserved a little acclaim because yeah, that was, was quite a. She was super nice. She was such a nice lady. Yes. And people had Duran Duran license plate by us. That oh, was, that's right. That's right. I yeah, it was the camaraderie was just amazing. Yeah. And it was fun because Jimmy, as you go back to Jimmy, it turned out he's also from Portland. And we had mutual friends. We, we oh, knew people, yeah. the same people. So that's, small world. Well, speaking of that, as, as we were all making our way to get in line to go into the concert, I happened to glance over and noticed a woman sitting uh, by herself on you know, a little bench. And it was a lady I knew from work. I mean, I'm retired now, but from when I worked, she's she was a good friend of a good friend of mine at work. And I've been, oh, to wow. several, been to several concerts with her over the years. I mean, we're terribly close, but it's like there we were. It's like, hello. She was a huge uh, she's a huge um, Carly Simon fan. So she was there to see that induction. Oh, wow. Um, That's but, amazing. Yeah, that I, ha- was... I have a good friend who'd gone to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, several times in Cleveland. And I saw her in New York in September and she said it's it's amazing to go. And so she wished she had gone, but she's on the East Coast. And of course, it was on the West Coast. But it was it's hard to describe, like Mark said, what it felt like to be there. It was yeah. magical. It, if, if, it it felt like we were, I don't know, in a bubble. Some, you know, I just was. That's a good way to describe it. It felt like a bubble. And if anybody at, at, is listening at home and wondering, you know, what was it like to be there as opposed to what we saw? It wasn't much different. The whole thing yeah. was very seamless. They didn't mm-hmm. they didn't stop to do things. It just kept going. So what you saw on TV, other than what they edited out, was basically the way it was. Exactly. Yeah, that's just it. You you might think, you know, oh, there was a lot of setup between each act and no. not at all. There the crew, the crews were very interesting because they'd be in the back setting up the next band while something else was going on. But it was so seamless. There wasn't any noise being made. Right. Well, and it helped that that everything was digitally projected. So all they had to do was change that imagery for each band instead of in the old days where they might have had to, you know, put raise things up put things down have a new slide come in or whatever (laughs) and i love i love the screens on either side so you never had we had such great seats but i think everybody in that venue had a good perspective because it's a small venue and the way it's laid out so but right before annie and dave came on as you probably remember the screen they had trouble with the screen oh no on our side i I was on our side but they fixed it i thought oh of course no (laughs) 
You know, I was looking at their speech the whole time on the screen, you know, because I wanted to see their faces better. And um, so now when I think back to their speech, the image that's burned in my mind is a very close up image, almost like I was right there, but it was because I was looking at the screen. But that's what's seared (laughs) in my mind is that close up image. But did you notice when they were going off stage that Annie was like waving and still waving and David exited and the edge had exited, but she was still waving (laughs) out in the corner? She was yeah. such on a high. It was, yeah. I mean, it was obviously she was so happy. And I was, um, I, well, I have to admit, I, I, I cried a little during the induction and during their speech. And, and when she thanked, when they thanked the fans, you know, I mean, um, we, we Eurythmics, we know that, you know, that they're, that they're aware of us. And, yes. and for them to, to say that specifically to us, they knew we were there. It, it, and to everybody who was watching at home too, it just meant so much, you know, it, and coming from them, you know, it's really, really heartfelt. Not that everybody else, anybody else there wasn't heartfelt, but you know, you know what I'm saying? Well, I, 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 I'm glad you said that because it was, I felt that both of them, when they mentioned the fans, that they were, they were very uh, truthful and, and, uh, you know, being sincere, sincere yeah. I should say. Um, and it, you felt it. And you felt it, uh, and and they were sort of pointing, and not specifically to me and Lynn or you or anything. <laughs> no, to me, to me. No, it was me. It was me. <laughs> 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 the fans and and you know, and they keep up with social media, and and they knew, and Dave knew that a bunch of us were coming and were flying from all over the world mm. to be there, and that was the little group that we sort of knew about. That's yeah. not. Other people that you know really weren't connected to us or in that moment, but um, and and it was nice to hear that. It was nice to sort of be recognized because, let's just face it, some of this this that night that induction, of course that's for David Annie, but you get a little bit of a sense as a fan that you've been doing this for almost forty years. Mm-hmm. It felt good for you too. Do you know what I mean? Am absolutely. I absolutely yes. yes. no? Absolutely. Yeah, I've often referred to it to my friends as the greatest night of my life. I did nothing to, to, I've done nothing to, you know, you know, to, to <laughs> compare to what they've done. But, but yeah, no, you do feel that way. I mean, you've been with some, you've been following somebody for so long and you've wanted them to get that recognition, you know. Um, and when they finally do, yeah, of course you you feel proud. I would imagine the same way a, a sports fan feels about their team who wins, you know, pride. Yeah. Yes. No. Yeah. That de- or if they don't, <laughs> that you cry. You know, right. so that, you know, you you get so emotional about these things that you that you cling to, uh, and it's very a very human thing to do. So you know, it's it's not surprising that we we were all, um, you know, happy. Um, and a little bit for ourselves. <laughs> and and you felt a little proprietary over the moment. I mean, that that you know, here we'd been around, you know, and been their fans for so long, and we're in this little niche that uh, that we are. But to see other people in the audience and the and the respect and and the adoration that not just your rhythmic fans have, but I mean, everybody has for them. And now to learn from Steve that they were num- number one in the vote, just. Yeah absolutely blows me away i just i got teared up when he said that because that just made mean so much it was disappointing when they didn't get in what was it in 18 or 17 it was pre-pandemic and who remembers pre-pandemic details at this point (laughs) i just know know. that 
uh, Mark and I, uh, Mark and, and Amy and Pat and I had reservations at a hotel in Cleveland just in case. I remember that. Yes. Yeah. We were like, okay, just in okay, case. Just in case. And just in case. Know, I, have, I just have to say, I, you know, this, this is just me being a little selfish now, but uh, I'm so glad it was in California. <laughs> and, you know, when I moved to California from Florida in 1986, you know, I have to say one of the things in the back of my mind was, oh, there'll be more eurythmic stuff out there because, you know, California and all that. And from where I came from in the deep South, you know, that eurythmics weren't that exposed, you know. So um, to have it end up like this in California was great for me and and, I, and not having to fly too, which I don't mind flying, but I don't fly if I don't have to. Well, it, it's, <laughs> it's, the flip side of that is very interesting because I have flown several times from the east coast to the to la specifically or to the west coast um for a eurythmics or an annie lennox event so it's brought me <laughs> there a lot you know and from the very first time i ever was flown that i ever flew on an airplane with 1989 when they were when eurythmics were doing their special pre we two are one concert and i was just i think i was 21 or something ridiculous and it was the first and i flew by myself and it was the first time i'd ever flown wow. uh so and you we know we didn't even meet each other that night we it were was, standing right by each other we think from the perspective oh, i was you, there you were oh, there too lynn i didn't know i that. was too and oh and from gosh. the perspective of of mark's pictures i think we were right by each other because we were right in front i was right in front i'm short so i can always sort of sneak in there and get in there because well, there's advantages to being member, five too there was a line you know before we went in there was a line that stretched around outside and were you there that, there were some Mark. Yeah, I was there. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. We were yeah. all there. Oh, I just gosh. found out you were there. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that either. Yeah. But if you remember there in front of the theater, there were some marquees, you know, where they would put a movie poster or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they had, I believe, some some of the album, the, the album cover tacked up or the back, you know, the front. It was that We Two Are One with the front and back cover. Yeah. That's about where where I ended up in line when we first got there. We had been there for a while sitting across the street waiting for people to show up. <laughs> And we saw Dave and Annie show up early and get out of the limo and go in and come back out. Wow. Yeah. And that was from far away. Yeah. I'm not sure. They weren't in there for very long. So it wasn't like a sound check. So maybe it was post sound check. Uh, no, we could hear we, we could hear a little bit of sound check once. Yeah, we could. could. Yeah. Uh, it's all right, I think. I what I remember is we were given a, a CD of the Yes. Of the of, yes. of We Two or One. And I didn't have a CD player at that time. So I'm like, I can't listen to it. Yeah, we so got I had it to early, go buy. Right? Yeah, we got it early. It wasn't like but a month it, before it came out. So yeah. for me, having this all the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame being in Los Angeles was particularly um, uh, touching to me because I lived in LA during the 80s. So I became a Eurythmic fans in Los Angeles. So much of my first, uh, all my exposure during the 80s, a lot oh. of it was in LA. So when the Pantages was literally, I lived in the Beechwood Canyon, which is where the Hollywood sign is, which is five minutes from the Pantages. Wow. So it, all of that was was so um, amazing to be down there in November because I would go places with my my Brit friends, my my Brit posse that I was hanging with. And I'd go, oh, that's where I used to go read the British tabloids to see what was going on with Annie and Dave. And oh, that's where I listened to Revenge for the first time. And oh, so, you know. so Lynn, you then you're perfectly aware of the love L.A. has for Eurythmics. Yeah, it was very it was very big in the 80s. And they were very, you know, K-Rock oh, was yeah. always very supportive of Eurythmics. Yeah. Um, 
even up to the end, up to the yes. end, which yeah. was very, you know, up in, in San Francisco, we had an alternative station, not, not a, nowhere near the level of K-Rock. And yeah. they would play the occasional odd Eurythmics B-side and all that, but they didn't support like K-Rock did. And as you know, Annie and Dave would play two or three nights in L.A. every time they were there. Yeah. You know, that's right. So. That's right. And they played at the Greek theater in L.A. for the Revenge Tour. And then they played it. Oh, we went by it. It's the Wilshire Ebel, which is where they play, did the touch tour. We went by it. I thought, oh, that's where I saw touch. So um, <laughs> it was really kind of really fun to be there for that. I mean, in November, it was full, full circle, kind of like what I think it was Dave or Annie Dave who said it was full circle for me. I'm back in L.A. Eurythmics. You know, yeah. there's a there was a news, uh, and you know, I'm sure you saw it, Lynn and Mark. I know you've seen it on video. There was a news broadcast on an LA station, uh, maybe that night yeah. or a couple of days yeah. later, and they show some footage from the show. Yes, and there's one scene where Jonice is Jonice is on stage, and it's captured perfectly, and you can see my little face down in the corner. <laughs> and I said yeah. that to Jonice, and I said, "Look, Jonice, there's the two of us together. I'm in the oh. audience, and you're right there." <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, I'm Do you remember? The, oh, sorry. No, no. I'm just wondering if anybody else, you know, like if you go back and look at that piece, if you might see yourself, you know. Oh, I do. Oh, I know exactly where I'm at in that. Okay. I'm right up at the front of the stage and the corner where we walk, you know, and when they let us in, it, it, we're talking about this concert and it literally was in the lobby. Lobby. Of On top the of the concession stand. And so we didn't really know where to go and stand, but we went to the very end of this and it ended up being the front of the quote stage yeah and in that clip you're talking about from the local tv news and i've still got it i think i've got it on youtube somewhere i can distinctly make out me i was with two friends from la at the time and uh kelly and mark and kelly has since passed away but they were both tall <laughs> and i'm not tall not i'm not short but i'm not tall so okay but mm -hmm. i i can i can focus on that's where they're at and and i suspect if we both with all three of us went back and looked we probably could say there's rex there's lynn oh. there, of course our mutual friend for uh, rex and i maureen which we talk about all the time she was that's how i met her oh how i came to know rex in the future because you two met and i met so it was like yeah, so we what in line she was right when when we got in line she was the person right there in front of us um, or, and, or the person we got right behind in line and that's how i met maureen and then ended up meeting you and i'll have to watch it. again because um there's no two ways about it i am short so <laughs> i mean i'm only five two so i couldn't see myself there i have seen myself on the good morning america for the uh peace peace tour i mean yeah, you can yeah. see oh, me wow, singing yeah. a lot there were a whole group of us going there as well well apparently in the, uh, yeah in the yeah. do you remember they did a it, when, and during peace tour they broadcast on the internet the la show it was like a yeah they, yeah they streamed okay. it well you apparently can see me because i was right there in the front row but i've never been able to see it but anyhow oh know. wow yeah <laughs> you know and you and you kind of wonder about these things you kind of like you know where are those uh where's that captured and does someone have it somewhere yeah right and, well, you uh, know, if they broadcast it, you know, someone has got a copy, you know, somebody has a map somewhere. somewhere, you know, yeah. so. Uh, and I've, you know, seen, oh, I've seen myself in the piece um, video DVD because oh, yeah. I had a sign. There was another fan, Laurent Rousseau, who I think he's still somewhere. He just is not active. And we had a come back soon sign or come back again or something. And we held it up and it was at the um, Wembley 
and you can kind of see it. But they were all we were all over the place. I was a bit of a flying all around. Did you guys run that. into any uh, musicians or celebrities at the Pantages? Because standing right behind us was, I think, Kathy Valentine from the Go Go's. Uh, I have a picture with uh, Harry Dean Stanton and Siobhan Fahey oh. up on an upper level after the show oh. and and the friends that I were and that I was with at the night and we went up and we got their autograph I have their auto no I have Siobhan's autograph I remember seeing Siobhan postcard and they were sitting there with Harry Dean Stanton and just he did you know but <laughs> Jody Foster was there I remember seeing her Oh, really? I didn't know mm -hmm. that. Wow. Mm -hmm. You know, but we were so focused on Dale yeah. Man. Who cares if there was a movie? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Wow. Yeah, so, I don't so, know. Yeah, we've got this nostalgia bit back to I me. know. You know, we yeah. should like maybe shift a little bit and talk about Steve Rapport's photo exhibit yeah. oh. the night before the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which also occurred in Los Angeles at the uh, Music Head Gallery. So the, the event, the, the Hall of Fame was Saturday night. The photo event was on Friday night. And for those who are listening, who are maybe not aware of Steve Rapport, he is the photographer that worked with Eurythmics on a lot of their early videos up through about 1985, all of them, set photographer. A lot of the stunning video, you, uh, stunning photos you see from those video shoots are usually done by Steve Rapport. And we've done an interview with him on uh, my Eurythmics Video Visionaries website and all that. So you can go check that out if you want. But we all attended this exclusive uh, invitation-only uh, gallery event the night before. And um, okay, I'm going to hand it over to one of you to start talking about it. <laughs> well, for well, me, oh, go on, go on. Uh, go ahead, Mark. Uh, go ahead, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> so I think yeah. I was, uh, Mark, I think we were walking in together. Um, but he, he, Steve was such a gracious, what a lovely, lovely man. And he hugged you, Mark. And, yeah. and then he hugged me like I was, you know, <laughs> all of us. Well, he kind of knew you guys, but he was so gracious. And so it, you know, sometimes as a fan, you don't, you, you don't want to, we never felt smaller as a fan in that particular, we felt like we were kind of VIPs almost at that event because we were such longtime fans and it, it there was never any awkwardness. Um, and then of course, Cameron had invited Jimmy Z. Right, right, yeah, so Jimmy The Z greatest guy ever. Jimmy I mean, Z, of course, is the harmonica player on Missionary Man oh. who toured on the Revenge Tour and is on the Revenge album. And He was, he was just really, gracious and he and we've had him on a podcast and mm -hmm. if you're listening to this podcast and you've not listened to the jimmy z podcast i completely encourage you to do that you get some great performance by jimmy z but he was just great that night oh. i loved that he was there uh and uh, you know again what a special whirlwind thing this was to go to the steve rapport exhibit and then the concert the next night and it just all was coming together. And Steve's really wonderful photography oh. on display in the gallery. And um, it, and I, I, I don't know if we talked about this before, but his photography is so important to the history of Eurythmics because he- Iconic. He, yes, he captured those images um, on the from the videos, Love is Stranger, Sweet Dreams, Who's That Girl? Uh, I think who's that girl? Um, sex crime. Um, did, did some from early stuff. It's all right. I think. Uh, here comes the rain again. Oh my gosh! The oh, image. Wow. Yeah. 
in the yeah. Orkney Islands in Scotland. But but you just have to think about that. You don't see those images often from any artist's video. He was a kind of a behind the scenes kind of thing the entire time. Mm -hmm. And the images that he got are really important to the documentation of the history of Eurythmics. So he he his work is um important. Uh yes. it it documented it uh like no one else could have done. I mean and and, yes. and I do know and we do know that earlier that day um some folks uh were there to interview him from uh well I guess people that work for Annie's archive or whatever or oh. something like that were there to uh interview him and talk to him. So I mean I think I yeah. think that shows you that you know that that Dave and Annie are appreciative of his work and and just how important it is and just how stunning it is. I mean, gorgeous. Well, let's gorgeous. let's talk about that for a minute. I wonder I wonder when that's when they when they'll use that or what exact because they did so, they had filmed. I know I I I gather from what I've seen over the or heard over the years um that they just either they or she is creating you know creating an archive and. I don't know if it's for their personal use or whatever, or if it's intended for eventually to to come out somehow. I don't know, but that's that, that's really about yeah. it. I would think mostly it's probably for their own personal archives, you know, their own career records of their own career. But you you can follow Steve Rapport on social media. He has a great uh, Instagram page and Facebook too, I guess. Yeah. But definitely Instagram. Yeah. Um, and, and you can go and you can go purchase his his prints too from his website. Uh, I mean, they're stunning prints. I mean, I've I've purchased a couple of myself, and um, I'm just yeah. so glad that I have. You know. And he has a great little book out. Uh, yes. uh, called, uh, and and um, of course, he did a book. Uh, his photography was in a book that I got signed. I got signed at the. I did too. Uh, at the LA event this year, yes, longtime fans and, will and, know about this. Yeah, nineteen eighty four. Yeah. You know the great book. You know, and um, but um, so I got him to sign it. So that was cool. <laughs> well, that's the it, sweet dreams. Sweet dreams definitive biography, right? Yes, yes that, that's he, right. that he co-wrote with his buddy um, uh, Jimmy Waller. I believe that was his name. Yeah, okay. and um, who since has passed away. But yeah, so that's yeah, that's something for the fans in case they didn't realize. That Steve Rapport is the co is the co-author of the Sweet Dreams Definitive Biography. I didn't know. I didn't know that. And of course, all his um, all the photos in there, or most of the photos, are probably his. Um, so yeah, Mark got that signed, and <laughs> I got I'm, the little book signed. Little yeah, yeah, yeah. But all that's nice. But um, um, yeah, it was it, that. I think that night made it even more special, you know. And of course, that was, on, that was a very LA experience. You know, it was on Sunset <laughs> Boulevard, and and you know the palm trees and the the hips the hip little stores and the galleries and all that. And it uh, was very LA, and so it yeah. was so much fun. <laughs> it was a lot of fun yeah, with fun. with some killer lemon drops, and that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I drank the red wine. <laughs> oh, I had the lemon drops. <laughs> <laughs> so did I. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, anyway, so let's talk about what we think all this means. You know, the concert, the induction. What does it mean uh, for the future, if anything? What's your thoughts on it, Rex, Lynn? <laughs> well, I think it means that hopefully we're, we're going to see, you know, archival things come out, box sets, remasters, uh, things like that. 
um, as far as a new album and a tour, I'm, I, I, I really don't see that happening. Maybe an album, because that's easier to do than an album and a tour. But I don't know. You know, they don't really owe us anything. So they could ride off into the sunset and, and do their own stuff. They, you know, Annie Lennox can still do her stuff. Dave can still do his stuff. Would I love to see Eurythmics reform and put out an album and tour? Of course. But realistically, I think it's over. <laughs> I'm just being I'm just being blunt. Okay, there we go. So Lynn, what do you think? Well, I, I kind of agree with Rex. I think that maybe an album, um, and I think remasters, it would be nice to see um more. But I don't I don't foresee a tour, maybe one off things. It it did seem yeah. the culmination. Um yeah, I, mean, I, agree I have one off things, like maybe yeah. Uh, exactly yeah. I, I think that virtual. Annie yeah, and I think that, you know, of course, we know Dave would do things in a heartbeat. Um, and Annie, I don't not as much. Um, I she does seem to be a little nostalgic on things. She's posting these wonderful um young people who are doing these sweet dreams um redos and everything. And that's coming up with the 40th anniversary. And I'm sure she feels nostalgic toward it, but I, I don't know. I mean, I'm more of a similar age to Annie and Dave, and so I can kind of see. Physically, I don't think Annie wants to do it or can do it. I mean, I think her feet are, you know, she's got back issues and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And mm -hmm. and frankly, you know, I mean, they don't need, they don't, like, like Dave said in our podcast, um, they don't have to do a, a normal tour. There are ways to do it where, you know, it's yeah. spaced out, there's traveling's not involved, press is not involved. But having said all that, I'd just be happy with a lot of archival stuff. I, I it, 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 it just makes it irritates me that so many other bands have so much stuff out there, and and there's like nothing for your rhythmics, you know. And and I think we kind of deserve deserve all that. I mean, you know, what? let's let's all buy the same stuff we already have, but it's repackaged and it's it's nostalgic and it has B sides and things we haven't heard and photos we haven't seen and and we know it's all there. So. Okay. I, I know it's coming. It's coming. That's, could this is be, probably going to be the, the last thing. It would be this stuff. There could be so many um, things released. I mean, you know, a concert recording from each of the tours. We know they've recorded them. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that would be something that could be done. Um, there's still B-sides and remixes and all sorts of stuff that didn't get released. Right. And, uh, either one of the, you know, remaster, remaster section, it was particularly, of course. The, I, I, I have two words for that. Beautiful armadillo. <laughs> Whatever. Wow. I want to hear that song. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, maybe so. It would be, it would be great. So, you know, I think there, and, you know, a lot of uh, established artists, AHA's done it. Cindy Lauper's done it. I'm certain there are others where they take their breakthrough album and they do a concert, sometimes a concert tour based on that album. And they perform every song from that album. And then they they usually will have something extra at the end of it, of course, with yeah. other songs. But you could see something that, like that happening for Sweet Dreams. And uh, I, with all the streaming services out there, I don't think there'd be any issue whatsoever in getting someone, okay, you want to do a one-off concert? And yeah, we'll do that. I mean... I, I think I they see, I could see a Sweet Dreams 40th anniversary concert in LA. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Simulcast or something like that. And 
<laughs> yeah. But here's a here's something. Why don't we all go around and say what would if we had if we could say what would be the one thing we would want to come out from the archives or whatever that you know what's the one thing you you would really like to have if if you know if if you had your choice the first thing that would come out. Uh, I'll start. I okay. think I would like to have a really good professional recording of the Touch Tour. There's a bunch of bootlegs. A uh, video I'll, or audio or both or. Oh, oh gosh, I would kill for a video. Yeah. Kill for a video, uh, and I was just watching before the podcast. Uh, uh, Steve has um, this the performance from Sweden that they did uh, that was telecast on television back in the day touch tour footage. Well, it was a concert that they did. And I've always thought, okay, because they change outfits throughout. So there's the first yeah. comes the rain again and all, uh, the sweet dreams. And, and it ends up with wrap it up. And she has different outfits on throughout. So I've always thought, I think it's a five or six song set, but I've always thought, well, she didn't just change clothes for one song. No. They performed their whole touch tour set for this audience where this was recorded somewhere, somewhere there's footage of that entire concert. And that would be, so I would love to have, because it's the only tour, Eurythmics tour that we don't have video, a professional video. No. Uh, so I'd love to see that. I'd love audio from it because they, they did different songs throughout the different sets yes. of the touch tour. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just, I, I would, I think I would love that. I, I think, because there's not a really good recording. There's a lot of bootlegs and some of them are pretty good, but I'd love a crisp professional recording. Of that. I agree with you on that. That is a, a video that, of that tour and an audio is sorely needed. Yes. Yeah. That sounds great. Yes. Touch tour Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah. so, so now it's you two what would okay, you want? Lynn Lynn go ahead <laughs> well I think that would be great I went to the touch tour and I saw it but I I don't you know this is how many years ago and I <laughs> I, I I tend to sort of live in the moment and I don't record you know we didn't have our cameras out like we we do in our phones so I would love to see that I would love to see all the um concerts having a good version because the sweet dreams is only on VHS right is that right uh, I've got on, it on Laserdisc. It's on, laser disc. It's on DVD, but you know, it's it's not, you know, it hasn't been like remastered or anything. Well, but yeah, let's talk about that for a minute. You know, uh, there are songs from the, that Sweet Dreams concert that didn't make the final video. There are two songs that didn't make the final Eurythmics Live Revenge Tour, Condition Soul and Ball and Chain. So I'd love these to be re-released and with expanded editions, of course, with those kind of things. So, um, you know, and I'm certain there are, you know, there are recordings and B-sides we didn't get. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. And remixes and stuff. So, I'm, you know. I'm even wondering if there's more TVP material that we haven't heard. My oh, I think so. No, I don't think there is any. I think that we would have had it if there was, but um, I don't. My guess is no, but yeah. uh, if there is, yeah, let's bring it on. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would love to see uh, Ball and Chain. That's one of my all-time favorites. Me too. It's amazing, as we know, in concerts, one of my favorite songs. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm really perplexed why they got cut. And I, I'm assuming at the time, you know, you only had so much time for a video album, or maybe there was some kind of expense. But why those two got cut out, 
beats me. I don't know why. Uh, cause, but, um, I'd love to see them added again. Yeah. That was my fantasy for the rock and roll hall of fame was to have ball and chain. Can you imagine if they'd done ball and chain, that would have been amazing. Well, I it, think was, they, it was amazing the way it was, but yeah. Yeah. When they were showing clip of Ball and Chain in the video montage, I think you and I started singing. <laughs> we did, yes. And <laughs> we went, woo! <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, was, it was great to see that clip at the beginning of the Acoustic Missionary Man, which is from Brand New Day, the documentary that was kind of oh. never, well, it was released well, let's, in, let, in France I saw or something, it. and that was it. I, it was in LA. It got released for a week yes, in Maureen, LA. Maureen saw it in the theater there, too. You probably in were West in the LA. at the same time she was. Probably, probably, <laughs> well, yeah. You know, but again, let's that's another piece that's done, that's filmed, that's available. Just put it out now. You know, at the time, I think it got some bad reviews and they had done so much video at that time that it, it ended up not getting like a yeah. wide release or something. Mm -hmm. But you can put that out today and it's. It's exceptional. It is. It is. Great it is. documentary. And you can actually it's find a little pretty bit ahead of its time, actually. Yeah. I and uh, Yeah, you're right. It is ahead of its time. And I think maybe if they were to watch it now, they might have a different, because I, I, I did hear something about maybe they weren't too happy with it or something. If they were to watch it now, I bet you they might have a different opinion. But yeah. um, it was, uh, yeah. Um, and But you can find, you can find fairly decent copies out there. I mean, really good quality <laughs> recordings of it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, anyway, but, I, so, but I'd like a, you know, a proper release or again, you know, put it on, get somebody, it, surely Netflix or Amazon Prime or one of these, you know, somebody would put that out on streaming if nothing else. Oh, I think so. I would love, a, you know, I'm, I'm old school as we all are. We show our age. I'd love a DVD or Blu-ray, you know, whatever. But hey, I'll take streaming if that's the way I'm going to get it, you know, yeah. with yeah. me. I've been noticing more eurythmic songs on the um, like on the eighties channels that I, I have to channels ever since the rock and roll hall of fame and some unusual ones that you don't normally hear. Like I heard thorn in my side, which is like, my God, oh. I never, I never hear that. At least, you know, you don't hear that in the U S a lot. <laughs> Wasn't that film that they did for the rock and roll hall of fame. That was, that was, that was well done. They had, um, they had some nice clips in it and, yeah. um, and I, it's, I've probably seen most of those clips some one way or another, but they did. They had some nice clips in it. They highly used, you know, the live performance of you have placed a chill in my heart and they used it very effectively. It was, it was to, it was to sort of end it and to sort you know, that kind of uh, emotional uh, aspect to it. But um, I thought that was a really well done film. I, 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 I thought it was great too. They could have, I think they could have put 30 seconds in there talking about their innovative videos they didn't really mention that they showed i noticed a, that too they showed a few clips you know sweet dreams here comes the rain again but you know that's something big with them you know they they're known for that so well I, maybe actually, it was I, obvious i don't know i would have liked the just you know 15 seconds where they sort of talked about you know i wish they'd said you know and they released an album every year or sometimes twice a year you know and did this many tours mm -hmm. and just, you know, didn't she say though that all the ideas for the most of the ideas for the videos were Dave's and all. She did mention that in the clip. So she did. So there, there was something about that. You know, Anyways, <laughs> I, I need to tell you my picks for what, what, what. What's oh, yes. Out. Yes. <laughs> um, so what I, what I would really like to see come out first and I'm, and maybe this is a cheat cause I'm, in, I'm including all of them at once, but I just think we need like 
Sweet Dreams, you know, the 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 Sweet Dreams, a video album, Eurythmics Live, We Two Are One Two, and Savage. We need all that on Blu-rays, up, you know, HD Blu-rays, and also streaming and for, by, available for digital download as well. I think that's the first step. Get those out there because we've already had the remastered albums, and that's kind of the next stuff that came out, right? Then we then mm -hmm. we can talk about like okay, all the B sides we haven't heard, or let's reissue this, reissue that. So that's that's what I'd like to see. I don't think the record company understands just if they were to release Savage the video album, for example, let's just take that one, how big of a seller that would be. I don't think they grasp because you know, Savage was not their biggest album, of course. And I have no idea how many copies Savage the video album sold back in the day. I, I would think pretty well. Yeah. But I don't think they understand no. the sheer desire from fans well, for their videos. I don't think they do. No, and two of and two of our podcasts that are among the most highly downloaded are on Savage and 1984. Those oh, are wow. among our top two most favorite, most downloaded podcasts. You talk to fans, and what do they say? They say 1984. They say Savage. Get that stuff out. It makes money and we want it. <laughs> it, it and that's the other that. Um, so, um, you know, I've got a lot, lots of wants, but if it, 1984, again, different Virgin still owns that, I guess, but and they, they did have the remastered version of it on the beautiful red vinyl in yeah. 2018. Mm -hmm. Which sounds stunning, by the way. Oh, yes. But I mean, there is so much archival uh, material Dave talks about it, that they had, you know, just the film score itself, the Eurythmics part of the film score, you could do that as bonus tracks. You could, oh. and I, again, I don't think these record companies really have an idea of they're setting on a gold mine. I mean, and just, and I'm not quite sure how we get that across to people. You know, is there, can we, do we start a letter writing campaign? <laughs> start emailing. Yeah, Hopefully, I mean, maybe we can get their attention drawn to this podcast. I don't know. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, it would it would be um, there's so much available um, that and I don't know. I don't know what the difficulty is in collecting all this and putting it out there. I, I don't know what it takes to do that, but uh, someone should do it. There, there's yeah, money. I'm sure that. Dave and Annie have to be involved with things and give okays and approvals or whatever, or maybe not. I mean, sometimes they're put things are put out and they don't realize it. Um, but well, it, you know, if it if it if it was something that they were involved with and the record company's involved with and and it's done correctly, you know, um, what I would like to see happen though, you know, is when these things are happening that there is a connection to fans and they they have a connection to fans like they've never had before you know we're all on social media you know we all follow them on the different you know it, it could easily be asked okay we're going to do exactly. this x what would everyone like to see or what should be on it because i think you know we've talked about this before well people I was a writer for years and people will ask me sometimes, remember that time that you wrote that story? And I'll say, hmm, sort of vaguely. Yeah. Yes. maybe." And I think it's the same way with Dave and Annie. You do something that's so, ex you know, they were doing so much work for so long in such a small amount of time. They're not going to remember all the details. They're simply right. not. Yeah. Especially 
40 years later or 35 years later or whatever. And you can forgive them that we've, we've internalized this in a far different way than they have. And certainly in a different way than the record companies have. We see these things in a different way. We know, hey, you know, there was this B-side that was released in 1982 that you've never remastered. Boy, we'd really like to have that. So having fans involved in that. Yes. Really yeah, that's very true. And you know what, what I would like to see too, and maybe this is something that that maybe if, if Dave ever hears this or whatever, but you know, whenever these remasters come out or these reissues come out, they always seem to have some sort of little bio or something of Eurythmics written that's always full of inaccuracies. I don't know who they get to write these things for them, but we, the fans read that and we right away, we see all the errors. I know. And how about having one of the fans write that? Like Mark, who's a, Mark, Mark, who's a journalist, yeah, or, you know, or me who has a website, or Steve who has a website. I mean, we could write something that's completely accurate because, like you were saying a minute ago, Mark, we internalize this; we know it better because we we're on this we're on the receiving side of it. You know, the artist puts out stuff and moves forward; they don't tend to think think backwards a lot. You know, they're in such a firestorm of stuff coming at them right. and moving them through like it. Lawrence Steven said when they're in the zeitgeist you know they don't have time to 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 look back you know mm -hmm. so yeah yeah but um you know if anyone wants to ask us <laughs> <laughs> yes we're or maybe we could all collaborate together on it you know I mean well you know it would be it would be a fun thing you know and I think remember on the touch tour they had you with mixed fans at the tours to kind of promote the fan club and stuff you know and right. i think we we were going to have our names listed on something and i don't think that ever actually happened well but, there was that discography that came out with all of our names on the back in it that contributed to the discography it was published and sent to all of us okay Remember I that, really that, wow that paperback discography it was oh okay yeah it was like one of the first discographies you know that was like <laughs> 89 i think yeah you know so you know there's there's a lot to be done uh, so, you know, and just earlier today, someone was on Facebook, one of the fans, Andrew Smith, and he said, 99% sure they're going to drop a brand new album 2023. Here's really hoping. So that's, you know, that's, I just noticed that it was on a, on one of the um, posts earlier on Facebook. And, and I don't, I don't know, Andrew, but I just thought, you know, there's a lot of hope. I, I, I you know, wrote that down because there's a lot of hope out there and, and that's going to be something yeah these days it's not it's so easy to record an album you didn't have to be together mm -hmm. you know I mean, <laughs> you, you didn't have to be together well, back they pioneered then, but... that then they pioneered that in the 80s right, with, right. with... how much easier is it now you know um, yeah i mean how about that performance they did a few years ago for that charity where they were in completely different locations but they played live together she yeah. was on the piano he was on the guitar it was beautiful child right yeah. i mean you know well, so they, Dave has recorded two albums with Stuart Lindsay. They've never been in the same studio ever. Oh for my those, God. Those wow. Exactly. But, uh, you know, those are, you know, you, you don't have to be, but um, that, I mean, uh, uh, what was the, Annie just did the one-off song in Boston for um, the Prince and Princess. Uh, what What's it called? Here Comes the Rain. Oh, Earthshot. 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 And I just want to just, First, I thought that was an incredibly beautiful. Lovely. Yeah. But the the but the technology for it, you know, that, that was very much like the Hall of Fame, where it ha had this the technology, the 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 
the even the floor underneath yeah. her piano. That was amazing. That was beautiful. Yeah. But yeah, that I, was really it, well done. It was, but that's my point being that if they were to do something, you know, the technology is there to do a concert or a performance with all kinds of imagery and stuff that they could take in. And they've got such a con iconic imagery that they could do so many things. And that, that, that show with that one song, and I was sitting there going, wow, an yeah. entire concert. Can you imagine all that it? iconic imagery? I mean, and that harks back to the peace tour. They sort of started that. Remember the, uh, the downloading thing as the concert yes. was starting and the spinning red star yeah and 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 as soon as we finished downloading they came on stage that but then was... before that they were showing all the different clips you know shots from their videos and all that so that was kind of an early an early idea of what you're talking about well dave's eurythmic songbook concert um uh, the 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 imagery and technology that he used for that and that i guess that was right before the pandemic or whatever mm. but mm -hmm. yeah. that, that if you you can go to youtube and see that and i have seen that it's yeah, exceptional. It's, 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 and I think actually Dave has that recorded as well. I would love to have that released. <laughs> Just... Somebody mentioned in, in at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, maybe afterwards of having their, their children, their kids who are so talented involved. I mean, well, Lola, the, Lola and, and Kaya. And... Well, in the Eurythmic Songbook concert. Uh, oh, yeah. Kaya's, his Kaya's in that. And also his Django. The, Django. Uh, did I need a man? And he that's, was great that's great. That's great. Yeah. But I can see, you know, Lola um, and, and Dave's kids. All Dave's kids are exceptional musicians. And of course, Lola is a great musician and she's performed with Annie a couple of times. But I could see them being involved. And actually, I said that to Django once on uh, Instagram or something. I said, you could call it, you know, you all could be involved and it's Eurythmics, the next generation. Uh, so, you know, really see. What, the did, he, did he respond to that? He's, yes, he said that would be sick. And I believe that is young people. Uh, yes, it is. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Well, early on at one of the, because I went to five of the peace um, concerts, and I think it was one of the LA ones that um, the kids were back behind. Um, and so that would have been Chango and Sam and Lola and Ta Tali were back behind the speakers and you could see them kind yeah. of and then they would go over and and sort of play toward them you know and they would I remember over. that yes I remember yeah. that yeah yeah I don't know that I recognized Lola but I remember seeing I think like Sam yeah I but they were... he was wearing was he was he wearing shorts I, for some reason I seem to remember he was wearing shorts and what well, what, is, what is Sam's band uh La, is it Lamoon what is it Low moon, low moon, yeah. Low moon. Low moon. Mm -hmm. They're doing quite well, actually. Oh, yeah, they really are. And he's a great gu guitarist on that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. But, you know, that's, that in itself is a great documentary, you know, if they had the kids performing with them and you could have this archival footage of the kids mm -hmm. from the backstage watching back in the day, mm -hmm. you know, so you've got, um, you know, there's lots there, you know, you, you'd love to be a documentarian you know, and like recording some of this stuff and having part of it, it just, yeah, yeah. This, this is, this is, a, this is exactly Rex, how you and I came to say, hey, let's do a podcast, because this conversation is very much like the kind of conversations we would have had, just kind of like, you know, talking about things right. like what would mm -hmm. happen, 
what we'd like to see. Right. So this is very much like that. Well, even that like, was, yeah, that was, well, that was the inspiration for our podcast was our discussions, right? We yeah, were like, it was, yeah. We so. were like, we, we should, we should, does anybody, any, we've said this before, people have heard this. Does anybody care to hear this? Well, apparently they do. So here we are. <laughs> well, I listen to them and it's great to be a part of this one today. So thank oh, you yeah, for inviting me. Yeah. Well, you know, we're allowed, like at an hour and 10 minutes. So um, <laughs> unless anybody has any final thoughts, we should probably wrap it up before our audience gets really restless. But um, we can say that now, Mark, we have an audience. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're approaching one year, so we've done pretty well. We've done pretty oh, well. Wow. Well, I have to say the one thing I would say is it was so great to be down in L.A. It's down for me um, <laughs> and at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and seeing people and, and and Mark, you know, here we've been friends, but we'd never met in person. And here we sat together and experienced that whole thing. And there was um, so much I, I feel like there was so much love. And I, I think I started to call us a family of fans or, you know, we were like a a little, I think I said niche earlier, but we're sort of like a little Eurythmics fan family now. Yeah. So. And what did what did we call each other, Lynn, that night? You were you were my concert wife. Concert <laughs> wife and concert <laughs> husband. Yeah. <laughs> because our spouses couldn't be with us. But yeah. Very, very nice. There with us with a with a significant other apparently. Yeah. But that was that so was, so gracious of 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 Amy and my Pat to. Well, Carrie had her husband, I think. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, Amy told made sure to tell me to keep Mark out of trouble, so we did. <laughs> and I still had those lemon drop martinis. <laughs> well, I didn't stay out of trouble. <laughs> no, I didn't. But uh, yeah, no. So, but um, you know, one thing that Lynn and I did, by the way, we were teenagers again. Uh, we had really great seats, and we had seats in one and two, so we were on the aisle. Mm -hmm. Rhythmic started performing and we, and I will have to tell you, we were egged on by the children with their parents in front of us. And I, I think they said, Hey, y'all should go down to the front. Oh yeah. And Lynn said, yeah. And she says, come on, Mark. And she gets me and we go. To, so we went down to the front behind where, you know, the, the VIPs. Yeah. And so we, we went down there during the That's performance great. and danced yeah. and danced. We for the the film we went back and sat because the film show you know afterward uh correct yeah yes um, well no the film was no it was the film was first and first then, and then we, we went, went back for them to accept yeah. at one point i went back to i um, i was in front of mark and i went back to hug mark and i hugged just another man <laughs> <laughs> oh i oh, met well, you you know a lot of love that night. there was a lot of love going around that, that we were all there in this giant auditorium unmasked and i don't think anybody came down with COVID, right, from the group. Somebody may have had a flu or something or a little cold, but I don't think COVID. Ruth got it a week later, so she didn't get it there. No, she not there, it. yeah. Yeah, I was convinced. I was like, okay, I'm not going to be able to be on this many planes, this many airports, and at a, at a concert, and at a And you gallery. had such a time getting home, my God. Oh, yeah, it was very long. I had to go on Tamiflu for you, Mark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had the flu when I got. When yeah. I, got I did my little four-hour drive up the freeway, and I'm home, and I'm like, so Mark, and he's like, well, I'm stuck here and now I'm going to be stuck there and it's going to be 24 hours thing. and I'm still not home. And I'm like, oh my God. It was still worth it. It was no, still, it, of course. I would it was have totally done it all again in a heartbeat. I would have done it all again in a Mark heartbeat. Mark and I were eating red vines. I was eating red vines and Mark was having popcorn at one point. <laughs> it's <laughs> so funny. It was a long, what, what, long what, time. During the show, you mean? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I never got out of my seat during the whole show except 
for about two, three minutes to run to the bathroom and back. I never did anything else. Yeah, after Eurythmics performed, uh, I, I, I calmed myself down enough to go get a Coke and a, a thing of popcorn. Because, you know, again, we're he heading toward five hours by the time Eurythmics right. had performed. So I let myself calm down because we sort of knew or had heard when they were probably going to come on. Yeah, well, yeah we but knew what, what where they were in the set, but... Yeah, but, you know, until you see it, you don't know that that's the exact... Uh, so I wasn't about to leave my seat. No, <laughs> Mark the, was like, don't go, don't go. At the beginning, you're like, you know, the first few acts, you're counting, okay, that one took 20 minutes, that one took like 25. So, you know, it should be around this time that they'll come on. No, that's all out the window because things change and you know not everything is the same length but i i told one of my friends that i, I they said how is dr dre and i said i don't know i went to the restroom and got a, a soft drink at that point <laughs> so it was uh, it was great i mean it was um so glad to experience with oh. so yeah and, and so great to meet all the fans that i had never met in person and finally to have met in person and, and I had breakfast. Stage, and, great. I had breakfast the next day after the concert, and with a bunch of fans. And um, you know, and Land came over, and um, so it was just—it was such a good time. And I, I, you know, I'd love to do these things again. You know, have a Eurythmics reunion kind of thing with fans. Wouldn't that be fun? We need a reason, I suppose. We yeah. we need a concert. Steve does kind of the—he used to do the fan events in the UK. Maybe we can do something in the US. You know, we could yeah so yeah anybody has any thoughts on that let us know okay well, that would be wonderful well let's so let's great. wrap up now so okay. i'm gonna say i'm gonna say thank you lynn for joining us it was thank great. you thank you rex uh, you, thank you're you, Mark. welcome to join us anytime if oh we, well thank you if we don't reach out to you you can totally reach out to us and say hey i'd like to talk about this and okay we're we're happy with that oh that's lovely thank you thank any you any fan can do that just reach out to us we love to talk to anybody yay hey. And we and we do want to thank Steve for joining us. I know, oh. you had to, yeah. And uh, we we one of our recordings we'd try and we had a whole con a whole podcast with Steve and it, technology messed up. It wasn't so yeah. we hate that Steve wasn't on the whole time. He had a lot of great insights as he always does. So yeah. we're glad he was able to join us because he really gave us that really great information about wow the actual vote yeah. being rhythmics in first place isn't that that's, the cool that's just the coolest thing that that's is. so exciting yeah <laughs> all right well until next time thanks everyone thank you thank you thanks